music music is something that transcends every 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 language every every barrier it it really doesn't matter sometimes it's I, I know it's crazy to to say this right but even though the scripture tells us to sing with the spirit and sing with the understanding sometimes it's it's the spirit that connects us even when we can't understand a word that's coming out of somebody's mouth it's it's the heart song that connects us it's the holy spirit that that connects us and so you know i i think about that that moment of humming have you ever gone through or been through something and you you have a a song on your heart you don't know the words but you just start you just start humming uh, maybe it's just me maybe maybe it's it's just those those individuals that they're going through some things they don't know what to pray for they don't know how to pray but they just you just mm, you know it, it just it's just a groaning from from the spirit uh, this this morning is is a bit it, it's a bit heavy I'll, I'll, I'll admit um, my thoughts my thoughts are with JP and his family that's that's where my that's where my thoughts are and um, you know I, I can't even begin to imagine really uh, what what he's going through uh, I do have some idea but I can't really begin to fully imagine what he's going through and um, you know, I, I just want us to keep him, keep that family in prayer. And not only him, but really we have so many other individuals here that have gone through things like this recently. Uh, uh, feel free to go ahead and have your seats if you, if you need to take your seats. Um, but that's, that's, the, that's the thing, that's the thing about, about the body. When, when, when it's a time of rejoicing, we rejoice, right? But... When, when people are hurting, the truth is we, we hurt along with them. And uh, if, if you would permit me to say this before we, we get into our exhortation for this morning, uh, sometimes you don't even have to say a thing. Sometimes the biggest blessing is just being there to sit with somebody in their ash, being there to, to be next to someone that is going through their season, that is going through their storm, that is going through their pain and their grief. Sometimes the biggest blessing that we could give is not the words that are coming out of our mouths, but it's just being there, sitting there with that individual or those individuals. So guys, I, I want to encourage us this morning as we begin on these, these slides. I want to I encourage us on this morning uh, and hopefully the, the technology works. I, I don't know what's what's going on, but hopefully the technology works. Uh, but for all the times that we do have, we, we know right now it's it's word time. If if I were to say this in Espanol, and I might get this wrong, I would say it es palabra tiempo. Right? Uh, I hope I said that right. Es es palabra tiempo. Tiempo de ese. You see, I, I tried. I tried, I tried, I tried, but it's, it's, it's word time. And, and no matter what the mood, no matter what the tone, I believe God's word has a constant encouragement for each and every single one of us. I want to bring your attention into this reading on this morning. If you don't mind me just taking my time uh, to read this into your hearing. Uh, this will be the text that we will be operating from. It's actually Judges chapter 6, verses 11 through 16. Uh, this week and next week, my, my goal and my aim and my objective is to preach through the, the life of Gideon. 
Uh, and so I, I won't have time to spend all of chapter 6 today, but I want to look at some things specifically within the confines of the text here. Uh, next week, we'll go a little bit further, and who knows, it might take us three weeks to get through uh, Judges chapter 6 through 8. But I really want us to spend a couple weeks at least just looking at the life and the experience of Gideon. And so I want to take this reading from the book of Judges chapter 6, 11 through 16, and I'm reading from the New Living Translation, and it sounds... Like this, then the angel of the Lord came and sat beneath the great tree at Ophrah, which belonged to Joash of the clan of Abiza. Gideon, son of Joash, was threshing wheat at the bottom of the winepress to hide the grain from the Midianites. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, I want you to note verse number 13. If the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? And where are all the miracles our ancestors told us about? Did they say the Lord brought us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and has handed us over to the Midianites. Verse 14, then the Lord turned to him and said, Go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. But Lord, Gideon replied, how can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh. And certainly I am leashed in my entire family. Then we get to verse number 16. And the Lord said to him, I will be with you. And you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. Church, I want to encourage us on this wise for the next few minutes. The theme of fearless men and women of valor. Learning from the life and the experience of Gideon. Fearless men and women of valor. Learning from the life of Gideon. There is a quote I want to present to us, and, and I want this to act as the basis, uh, the, the, the foundation for our thrust on this morning. The quote simply says this, it is your reaction to adversity, not the adversity itself, that determines how your life story will develop. Don't ask me to pronounce the name of the, the person that made this quote. But it's your reaction. It's our reaction to adversity, not the actual adversity itself that determines how our life story will develop. And so what I want to do for the next few minutes is I want to introduce unto us the person of Gideon. And, 
And really, as I think about this introduction, I need for us to appreciate just really quickly before I move on to the next slide. I want us to appreciate really quickly just a quick backdrop of where we are and how we got here. The period that is represented as the period of the judges is a time in Israelite history when, of course, it, 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 it is the post period of Joshua. And so Joshua has already led the children of Israel into the Canaan's land. The conquest for the most part has been well on the way. Joshua by at this point, of course, he would have uh, separated the land among the people. But the scripture tells us from the very beginning verses of the book of Judges that Joshua now had passed away. And as Joshua passed away, there leaves, there is a vacuum of leadership that is present in the land and is present among the people of Israel. And they begin to ask the question, who is going to come next? Who is going to be the one that's going to lead us uh, continuously in the fight that we still have ahead of us? And what, what's interesting about this reality is that even though we look at the book of Joshua as being the book of conquest, that's where God takes Joshua and the train of Israel into Canaan's land and they do to a great extent conquer the land. Judges represents a time where the conquest still very much is in full effect. There is still some fighting, there is still some war, and there is still some battles to be had. And, and so now that Joshua is out of the picture, there is, a, there is a cry and there is a concern, who is next? And so what God is going to do, God is going to raise up some individuals, and they are commonly referred to as judges. God would raise up these men and raise up these women who would lead his people uh, throughout the rest of the conquest period while they were in Canaan. But there was a problem that ensued very early on. Whereas they were supposed to to destroy all, all of the peoples that they came across, there were, there, were, there were times when they would have left some groups and left some people within the confines of the land and that that created an issue as time progressed for them and and then you have a next and you you had a next problem where they began to to mix and to mingle with the cultures to mix and to mingle with the the idols they began to mix and to mingle with the different groups in in terms of their worship and in terms of marriage and and in terms of lifestyle and slowly but surely the people of God started to digress from their walk with God. And, and, and so it would, you would commonly refer to the, to the statement, and the people did evil in the, sight of the God, in, in the sight of God. The people strayed from God. And every now and then when the people would stray from God, God would raise up one of these judges to help them come back on track and to help them move away from idolatry, to help them come back in tune with the laws that were there to govern them. And so we find, we find Gideon at a point in Israelite history where because the, the Israelites are going through again their, their cycle of lawlessness and their, their cycle of rebellion, uh, the, the scripture tells us that what God allows is he allows the Midianites to, to rise up against them and subdue them for a period of about seven years. And as you read from chapter 6, verse number 1, you would recognize that it would say that what the Midianites would do is that they would encamp uh, against them. That simply means they would come at them pretty hard. They would encamp against them and every sort of livestock and every vegetation, what the Midianites would do is that they would wipe it out. 
Don't, it, 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 now, it, 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 might be, it might be cruel, it might sound cruel, but this is warfare. They would simply just wipe it out. They would take, obviously, uh, what they needed and everything else that was left, they would, they would destroy it. So when we are introduced to Gideon, here's where we see him. We see Gideon at night hiding as he is threshing wheat. And the reason why he is hiding, I'm putting this in there, is because the reason why he is hiding is because he is trying to be wise because this is the, little, this is the only little bit of food that we have. And if we bring attention to ourselves, the Midianites would come in and they could take and destroy the food that we have for ourselves and for our people. So when we think about the introductions that we find to Gideon, I want to introduce three ideas. Going to the next slide, I want to introduce three views that we find in Scripture concerning Gideon. Number one, when we think about our view of Gideon, if, if you've done any reading on this text, and I want to I say that I stand in stark contrast to the first one from, from the onset. Oftentimes when people read the story of Gideon, they identify Gideon as being a scaredy cat. They say, well, look at him. The reason why he was, he was, he was up there, the reason why uh, he was in the wine press threshing the, the wheat when he was, where he was, was because he was also scared of the Midianites. And, and, and you, you might have some reason to believe that because throughout chapter 6 and chapter 7, uh, there, there would be times when the word fear would pop up within the confines of, of Gideon's life. But I, I want to suggest to us that this may not necessarily be the case, that, that, that Gideon just wasn't hiding because he was terrified of the Midianites in as much as what he was doing was being wise as to how he went about his daily life and living. So when you see him threshing the wheat when you see him and, he, and we encounter him for the very first time the tendency is to believe when you think about people in the world our view of Gideon is that he is scared he is full of fear that's why he is hiding but then we get a second view and the second view simply says this and and this comes from Gideon himself when God approaches Gideon Gideon himself makes the claim God I'm too small so on one hand we have the view of Gideon that states that he is scared on the other hand, we see a view of Gideon that Gideon presents to, the, to, to us as we read this text. Gideon presents this of himself that I am way too small. He says, listen, my, I, I am, my people are among the smallest in the tribes of Manasseh. And, and besides that, I'm, 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 the, I'm the runt of the litter in my family. What, what could I do to bring the children of Israel out of what they're in right now? And as I think about the reality of Gideon, I want us to understand that the, the story of Gideon really is a, is a story uh, for each and every one of us as well too because there, there is a view that people have of you and me and then there is a view that we have us, of ourselves. It really doesn't matter the view that people have of us, to be honest, if, if I'm being honest, but the truth is a lot of how we view ourselves is a reflection and is impacted by the way that, that, that other people view us and what people say of us. Uh, that's the reason why it is if you, if you raise a child up, calling a child name and degrading that child, if you raise a child up always hurling, hurling insults at the child, the child is going to grow up thinking that that's who they really are. If, if you tell a child he is weak and you tell a child that he could never do or she could never do this or never do that, the child grows up, even though the child would be intelligent, even though the child could be strong, even though the child could be fast, the child grows up thinking that I don't have the capacity to do that. Because how they end up viewing themselves is a reflection of how others have viewed or even poured into them to begin with. We need to be careful 
number one, that we aren't having a short view of people. But we need to be careful as well personally that we don't have a short view of ourselves. And as we think about Gideon, the story about Gideon really is, is, is hopefully geared to help us recognize that in as much as we are weak, in as much as we are frail, we can accomplish great feats with the God who is there with us. But we also have a third view. And the third view really is God's view in all of this. And this because so becomes so important because if, if, if you would just slip on to the next slide, uh, God's view is a lot different from man's view and my view. Man would, would, would say that you're weak and you're no good and you're worthless. You might even tell yourself that I am no good and I am weak and I am worthless. But what God sees is different from what man sees. When God looks down and he, he, he looks at Gideon, he calls him immediately Gideon, mighty hero, hero or mighty warrior. So in as much, in as, much as, 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 as there is a view externally, in as much as we might have an internal view, I want us to appreciate that the way that we see ourselves should come as a result of the way that God speaks about us. And, and, and too many people are, are walking around with, with such a low view of themselves. And too many people are walking around with, a, quite frankly, a low, low view of others. A view that God doesn't have of others and a view that God doesn't have of us. Could, could I say this really quickly? And this, is, this isn't in, in, in the script, but, 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 but think about for a second. And I want to I be as practical and I want to be as real as I can. Think, think for a second why... Why it is a thing like racism becomes such a, a, a huge deal in society. When you think about racism, racism simply is a, a, a group of individuals that look at others as lesser than themselves. So whatever the ethnicity, whatever the group, the idea is when you think about somebody who is a racist... And, and just take your minds away from, from the whole concept that white people are, are, are racist. I, I'll tell you, they, they, they are black racists too. Because every time you, you, you hear the word racist, sometimes we hear the word racist and, and, and we kind of flinch, right? Oh, no, no, no. Racism is, is, is not exclusive to white people. You have black racists, you have, uh, and coincidentally, when we say black, you throw in everybody that's not white in there. You, you have Hispanic, you have Afro, you, you, you have Indo, you have racism across the, the, across the spectrum. It's the idea that there is a certain group of individuals, ethnic group of individuals, who look down on or lesser to a, a next or a, another group that is not their group. So that's the whole idea. When you think about racism, that is a, 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 a mentality and a thinking of the devil because God says, I don't view you any lesser than anybody else. God says, I, I look to you and I see, I see something in you that maybe others, neither you may see in yourself. So God, God says, to Gideon, you are a mighty warrior. Unless you think for a second that the, the, the main thrust of, of Gideon, particularly the life of Gideon, is simply about Gideon. Here's the thing. There is a plot twist within the confines of the text. 
And as you think about the plot twist, I want you to recognize that oftentimes when you're reading the story of Gideon, you would tend to believe that this is all about Gideon, 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 Gideon. And we might tend to believe when you're reading about these accounts and these, 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 these occurrences of these people of old, it's all about them. But no, plot twist, when you're reading about these exploits of these men and women of God, it's really not about them. So here is the issue when we, we think about Gideon's story. Gideon's story is not really just about Gideon. But rather when we read Gideon and every other story in scripture, what it is is an introduction of Jeho Jehovah God to our people. Here are some things I want us to note really quickly. Believe it or not, I'm, I'm flying through the text. Here are some things, three facts about God that we find within the confines of our reading this morning. Number one, verse number 12, and you could read this on your own, but, but three facts we, we recognize about God, about Jehovah, about Yahweh, is he knows who you really are. I should have had a who in there. But that's the point. When you look at the text, the thing that God is, is revealing about himself but he uses Gideon to showcase it, is that God knows truly who you and I are. We would struggle to find identity. We would struggle to find worth. We would struggle to find purpose. We would struggle to find our path in life and there are many voices that could speak to us, including the voices, not just voice, but we have many voices in our heads sometimes. But there are many voices that speak to us, but there is one voice that speaks truth to power, and that's God. And so when we look at these facts as we introduce or God introduces himself to, to Gideon and by extension us, number one, God knows who you and I really are. Watch this, number two, the presence of trouble does not mean the absence of God. In verse number 13, you, uh, I hope you notice this, in verse number 13, after God calls out to Gideon and says, mighty man of valor, here is what Gideon would respond, Oh my Lord, if the Lord was with us, why then has this happened? And, uh, where were the miracles that we heard concerning our forefathers? Why are we here if God is with us? And so the story of Gideon is, 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 is one that, that God is showcasing the fact that even though you are going through your calamity, even though you are going through your distress, it might feel as if and it might look as if God isn't there. But the story of Gideon is actually the story of God that even though you might be in your distress and you are going through your happenings, God is still there. It's, it's, a, it's a stark reality in the fact that all of us will go through difficulty. All of us will go through those moments where we feel isolated and we feel alone and we feel rejected and we feel as if God has turned his back on us. But the truth is God is not a God to really turn his back on. They found themselves in this sticky situation because of sin and faithlessness. But God says, even in your sin and even in your faithlessness, I never left. 
I, I, I need for us to appreciate that. And maybe you will appreciate that when we recognize that we are sinners. But sometimes what happens is, because we have been Christians for, for two days now, we, 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 we feel like if our, our holiness has extended to eternity. But if I'm speaking to some honest folks that recognize that God is still working on me and, and he's still working on you, then even in my sinful state, even in my time of doubt and fear, God says, I haven't left, I'm still there. So the young man that's struggling, that he still comes to church, but he's struggling with secret sin and, and he struggles to pray or he struggles to read and, and he, is, he is beating himself up in guilt, but he comes because he doesn't want to be ashamed and he doesn't want people to know what's going on. To the young woman who is, who is navigating fear and navigating doubt, to, to, the, to, the, to the brother or the sister, the older brother or sister who is navigating some fears and navigating some doubt and some transitions in life and your question questioning some things about the authenticity of God. You're, you're questioning as to whether God is there or not. You're questioning the authority of God. God says, listen, you could question me all you want. You could have all the doubts in the world. You could have all the sin in the world. The truth of the fact of the matter is I am still here. So as we think about how God introduces himself, number one, God wants us to know who he really, who we really are, but number two, I need for us to appreciate this. The presence of trouble does not mean the absence of God. You could be going through your job situation times five, and the scripture will still be true that God is still there. But number three, number three, and I got to be close, number three, as God introduces himself into the text and as God introduces himself to us, number three, I want us to appreciate this. Yahweh will work with and on our fears. Even with your fears, Yahweh will work with you. But not only will he work with you in your fears and with your fears, he will work with you on your fears. That is to say, even though you might be apprehensive to do something, even though you might have a phobia, he will, he will guide you along the way, even with your phobia. He doesn't leave you simply because you have a phobia. As long as you continue to walk with him, he'll walk with you. And even when you stop, he is there pushing you along the way. You might feel the need to stop, but he is saying, I need for you to push. You might feel the need to give up, but he wants for you to push. You might feel like you can't do it anymore, but he wants for you to keep pressing on. Yahweh will work with us in our fears, but he'll also work with us on our fears. In other words, if you continue walking with Yahweh, in as much as you started your journey full of fear, slowly but surely as you continue to walk with him, the fear gets lesser and lesser. As you continue to progress in your journey and in your life with Jehovah, as you trust him more and more with some of these decisions, as you trust him more and more uh, to walk with you in spite of your phobias and in spite of your fears, he says, as you walk with me, I'll pile strength into you. So much so that what was once a crippling fear and gripping fear will no longer be that as you walk with me. So Jehovah God will, will work with us and he will work on us in the midst of our fears. I want to look at verse number 14 really quickly before I move on. I'm almost done. Then the Lord turned to him and said, go in 
this might of yours. That's interesting language. And you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? This is interesting language. Because it's almost like if God is turning the tables on the focus or the, the energy that, that, that Gideon was posing towards him. And he says, the same energy that you're taking to complain, I want you to take that same energy and charge. Don't, don't, don't miss that. Because we dispense a whole lot of energy complaining. And sometimes the complaint is not to other people, even though we have some people who like to complain. But sometimes we have this constant record of complaints in our minds. We dispense effort and energy to complain. And what God does is God says, if you take that same energy and you actually lead the people, you will do some conquering. In other words, if, if, if you really trust me to understand that I'll work with your fears, even in your state of complaining, if you trust God to walk alongside with him, he is going to take you and you're going to conquer some things. But here's the reality as I, as I hasten to our close. So as I said before, Gideon's story is not really the sto just a story about Gideon. But rather, look at this, rather it is about the God who sees us for who you, we really are. What we are really worth. And wants us to be the best version of ourselves. That's the story of Gideon. That's the story that God has for each and every single one of us. Church, I want to encourage you on this morning. No matter what people may say, and no matter what you may think, let the view that you have of yourself be the view that God has of you. Could you stand with me as we get ready to close?